when it comes to discouragement, when it comes to that sort of stuff in life, what do we see? So that's where I want to go today. Let's pray and let's see how we end up. I've got to apologise. I'm, I'm apologising just in case the Lord changed my message this morning <laughs> before I got here. That's what happens when you stop to have a coffee. He just turns some stuff upside down. So you'll have to bear with me while we work through it together. Is that okay? Thank you for being totally gracious. <laughs> thank you for being Jesus to me. Yeah. Amen. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity and privilege that I have to be able to speak your word. Father, I thank you for the way that you challenge us. I really love the way that you work in us. Father, I love the way that you're constantly making us, Father, more and more into the image of your Son with ever-increasing glory. I thank you the person that I was yesterday is not the person that I am today, and the person that I am today is not the person that I'll be tomorrow. So, Lord God, we welcome, Father, your work in our hearts and in our lives. Father, we don't always welcome some of the struggle and pain that we go through in those times, but we know that you're there with us through it all. And so, Father, this day we give you all the glory. We ask you to speak to us and speak, Father, not only to our minds but to our hearts, Lord. We pray, Lord, that your words would work through, Lord, anything that's hidden in our subconscious, Father, experiencing things that would normally filter out what you've got to say. Father, I pray that your word would, Lord, come streaming into our hearts and into our cognitive mind that we might take hold and that we might be a different people. And everybody said, Amen. All right. How do we see things when we're feeling discouraged? First Samuel, chapter 30. Um, it's a, a eight verses we're going to read, so it's a slightly long reading, but not too long. But uh, it reads, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at the town of Ziklag, they found the Amalekites had made a raid into Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and every, everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam and Jezreel and Ab- from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. Verse 6, David was now in great danger because all these men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, Should I chase after the band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord said, You go after them. You will surely recover what was taken from you. It's an interesting story because David and his men went to war. They were doing what God had led them to do. They were doing what was right. It wasn't that they were living outside of what God had asked them to do. Yeah? So they, they go to these villages, they attack these places, they completely you know, win this battle and yet when they come home, they discover something that they never imagined. You know, They went and did what God wanted them to do, so life was good. They weren't stepping outside of his will, they were doing what they were supposed to do. And yet somehow in that victory... Yeah, in that success, they come back to find that their lives have been turned upside down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I just want to preface that or, or throw out there that often when we get to a place like that, we think, "What is it that we've done wrong?" Yeah, this has got nothing to do with what David and his men have done wrong. This is just life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they attacked, they won, but unfortunately, 
um, the enemy had some different plans. The Amalekites weren't done yet. And so they ran around behind David and his men. While David and his men were destroying and winning and doing all that sort of stuff, they ran off behind them and took all the women and children and they bolted. Yeah? They had different plans. And it all happened when life was good yeah, for David. It all happened when things were going really well. I mean, if you had won a battle, you'd be pretty happy, I imagine. You know, I figure you'd be high-fiving. You know, think of a footy team that wins. They're high-fiving. They're hugging each other. They're fit, you know, they're chest-pumping and they're doing all of that only to come back and find out that something else has happened that they hadn't imagined. It came totally out of left field. You know, and it says in verse 2 of 1 Samuel 30, they had carried off the women and children and, every, and everyone else but without killing anyone. You know, it's a really interesting thought that they would do that because somehow you, you imagine that the retaliation they would just kill the women and children and as harsh as this may sound the reality of that if they had killed if the Amalekites had killed the women and children there would have been some finality to it yeah they, it would have hurt it would have they would have been angry they would have wanted revenge and all that sort of stuff but there would have been some finality to it where they could then decide what they were going to do next. By carrying off the women and children, David and his men, you've got to think, they've taken my wife, they've taken my child. What now starts to run through your mind? What are they doing to my wife? What are they doing to my children? What are they going to do? Are they going to sell them? Are they going to kill them? Are they going to keep them? What horrible thought are they going to do to them like it's now ongoing it's almost worse than if they had completely killed them in that spot yeah while life was going good while they were having victory in jesus out of left field their families are stolen and now within them there's this torment there's this anguish yeah what well there's this doubt Anyone ever seen the movie um, Taken by Liam Nielsen? Great. It's a good, for those that like that, that type of stuff, Liam Nielsen, bit of an, you know, like you wouldn't imagine him as an action hero. He's no Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he does really well, yeah? He can speak English properly, almost. Um, but his daughter gets stolen overseas, and, and it's this mad rush. And in the background, the, the, the wife doesn't know or the ex-wife doesn't know what, what's happening to the daughter. Is she still alive? And it's, a, and it's a rush against time to be able to save her. That's what it would have been like for David and his men, taken on a bigger scale, yeah? Can you just imagine what, what was going through their minds, you know? Ongoing thoughts, bad thoughts, just going on and on and on and on and on and on. And, and then as those thoughts start to take root, yeah, as they start to take root, then some of the raw feelings and emotions start to kick in. Yeah? It's no longer thinking about what's going to happen. All of a sudden, there's stuff that starts to stir up on the inside of you. This anxiety starts to stir up. You know, 
So I, I'd figure, you know, there would be moments where you'd be totally depressed, feeling as if you've lost everything. The anger would have started to well up on the inside of them. Yeah, feelings of rage. They would have been totally discouraged. We, we battled for God and, and we won and, and now our families are gone. Totally discouraged. Absolutely, totally discouraged. How can that, how can that happen when we were doing the right thing? How can that happen when, when God's favour was on us? How can that happen? We've got to paint this picture so we can fully understand because verse 4 says they wept until they could weep no more. They wept until they can weep no more. I, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a situation that's so depressing, that, that's so, so discouraging, in a season that's so overwhelming that you have just cried so many tears that there are actually none left. You just, it's just like sadness. You, 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 you're discouraged and you have cried so much that there's no, nothing left. You, you're spent. Your, your energy's gone. That's where David and his men were. You've lost your home. You've lost a child. You've lost a relationship. Lost a loved one. Lost your job. Yeah? Lost your health when it was fine. You're so down and you become so discouraged because everything was good and God's favour was on me and I was walking with the Lord and I was in his will. You haven't stepped out of any of that, but now you're here. And you become so discouraged and you've just cried and cried and cried that there are no tears left. When you think of the enormity of that, the size of that, the, the overwhelming feeling, sensation, experience that David went through, it baffles me that he could write something like Psalm 56. Psalm 56 verse 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. There seems to be, in the midst of his anguish, in the midst of his discouragement, in the midst of his life, he still has somewhere this trust and faith in a living God. Yeah? So praise God for Psalm 56. I take some comfort in Psalm 56. Just the thought that God has collected all of our tears. I cry a lot. Maybe it's my Italian heritage. Mel will tell you, if the commercial is good enough, on television, I will cry. Jess knows that. Yeah, true, yeah. People, people will share what they're going through and I just cry. I, I was with Adam and Beck. Remember we were just watching a video at your place. It was just some worship song and, and, the, and, and the camera panned back and it was just a plethora of people, thousands and thousands of people worshipping God and I start crying. They must have been thinking, what's wrong with this bloke? And I'm like, oh, that just... That, that's why I do what I do for that, you know. Like I just I cry, and then we've got this scripture that says you've collected not some, not one, but you've collected all of my tears, the ones where you're happy crying, and the ones where there are no tears left. He's caught every one because you're so. Dis- he has got them all, yeah. David and his men had cried so much there were no tears left, none. Yet he knew that God had ha- captured every one, yeah. And I guess. 
this is where I've got to ask, so when you read something like that, what do you see? What do I see? What, what, do, what do we see? Do we see what David did? Do we understand what David did? He was discouraged, he was depressed, he was down, but he wasn't out. Yeah? yeah. He begins to do something. He actually sees something that the others can't see. And, and I, I want to suggest he sees a way out of his discouragement because he, he seems to know what to do. He, he knows how to overcome the situation. He knows how to overcome the pain. He knows how to overcome the emotions. He knows how to overcome the discouragement. He knows that it isn't over. He can actually see. In the midst of his discouragement, he can see. So in our pain, in our discouragement, what, what do we see? What do you see in your season? You, know, you, might, you actually might be here today. You might be listening at home. Who knows? and you've been through a season in your life, a tough season, maybe the toughest that you could ever imagine, yeah? Where you were down, where you'd felt discouraged, where you were feeling like David and his men felt, then just because of the passage of Scripture we wrote, and because I know how things pan out, I want you to know like David that it's not over, yeah? It's not over yet. You know, Colossians 3.1 says this, Since you've been raised to new life, new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. So what do you see? What are the realities of heaven? We pray a prayer, don't we? On earth, as it is in heaven. So what are the realities of heaven in the midst of our season, in the midst of our you know, discouragement? What are the realities of heaven? What do we actually see? Like I see David strengthening himself in the Lord because that's what it says in verse 6. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. He was in great danger. He was discouraged because he didn't have one wife. He had two wives stolen. Yeah, I figure that could be double the pain or double the joy. I'm not sure, right? So he has two wives that are stolen. He was alone and now the people that he battled with in the will of God are now against him. The men who swore their loyalty to him wanted to kill him. There was no one left to encourage him, yet the scripture says he strengthened himself in the Lord. He knew that where he found himself didn't have to be where he stayed. Yeah? He knew that where he found himself didn't have to be where he stayed. Because you've got to get this. He was alone. He was despairing. He was angry. He was totally gutted and, dis- and discouraged. And that's what the enemy... We fight not against flesh and blood. That's what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to get us despairing and angry and gutted and discouraged. That's what the enemy wants to do to us. Because if we stay in a place of despair and discouragement long enough, then we start to get angry. We start to get angry at the people around us. We start to get angry in the situation that we find ourselves in. And, and, and if we're angry long enough, we start to blame others. Yeah, We get angry at everybody else. I know that's nobody here, it's just me. But eventually, we get angry with God and we question God. Why? I was doing your will. We were battling. We were actually victorious. We had your favour. There was nothing that we could do wrong. And yet we come back home and, God, why did you do this? We start to get angry at God, yeah? But David sees a better end to his story and he begins to strengthen himself in the Lord. 
And, and that's the only way to actually strengthen yourself is in the Lord. There, there is no Tony Robbins positive talk that is enough. You have to hear this. There is no positive talk that is enough to get you through your moments of discouragement. The only way to strengthen yourself is not with self-positive talk. It is in the Lord. Yeah? It is in the Lord. That is the only way to do it. Every, because everything else is you. And eventually you and I, you will fail. Yeah? We will fail. So what do you see? The scripture says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. He turns his eyes in the midst of his discouragement and despair and fear now. He turns his eyes to God. Flat out turns his eyes to God. He actually takes his eyes off himself. He takes his eyes off his circumstances. And all of a sudden, things start to become clear because now for some reason he can see. David thought to himself, and I, actually I think he even told himself, there's still one who's above all things. There, there is still one who's before all things. There is still one who can help me in this situation, and that's the Lord God Almighty. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Can you see what David sees? Ross said during communion, he said, you know, um, people have to let you down. Yeah? They have to let you down. Papa God is painfully and powerfully and perfectly in control. But sometimes that word, he's painfully in control. Because he's sovereign. Even in our pain, he is sovereign even in our troubles, yeah? Through it all, his love transforms us, perfects us and completes us. That's why it says in James 1, 2 to 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Seriously, that's where you drop the mic. You, you, you get the bottle of water, you kick, you kick it across the room and you go, you know what, lovely words, stick it up your jumper where the sun don't shine. Yeah? Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. Oh, whoopee. Oh, I'm going bankrupt. Oh, whoopee. Someone in my family's dying. You know, like, hello. But there's something that... David knows that you can only strengthen yourself in the Lord and that's why we have scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament. They're not there to contradict each other. They're there to build each other up, yeah? You know, we are being changed with ever-increasing glory. There's a process at work in our lives. But it can't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight, yeah? I, I am not a finished work. And by the time I go home to the Lord, I will not be a finished work. But I pray that I'm better than where I started with the Lord when I was 19, 20. Because it's an ongoing process of being transformed into his glory, into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And we need to give Father God the time to produce his ever-increasing glory in us. We've got to stop kicking ourselves. How often do we go through something and then we blame ourselves for it? And so we blame the situation, we blame everyone else, and then we blame ourselves. And we're kicking ourselves while we're at it, you know? Life's already thrown a curveball. Could you imagine if David and his men just sat there and go, oh, it's our fault. We shouldn't have done what God wanted us to do. It's our fault. It's our fault that our wives and our children, you know, they, they, if they had done that, they would have been in a far worse situation than they were already in. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Yeah? 
You know, we've got, to, we've got to trust him every day. You know, when we're discouraged, ha- maybe when we're discouraged, have we forgotten something powerful? God is able. God is able. Not God is somewhat able. God possibly can. He's somewhat good. He's, he's pretty, yeah, he's sort of okay. God is able. So just like he gives the manna each morning for the Israelites in the desert, he's going to supply us. It's in the season, these seasons, that we need to seek him daily. You don't have food to eat, seek him. He'll bring the manna. You're discouraged, seek him. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. He brings the courage that you need. Even when you don't feel like it. That's a tough one, isn't it? Get stuff, pastor. <laughs> you know what? If you, know, if you had gone through what I had been through, you wouldn't be saying there and now just go and spend time with the Lord. No, I hear you. There are times, even in my ministry, that it's a struggle to spend time in the Lord. Yeah. Someone said to me once, don't share so much of your brokenness. That's enough. You know what? People need to know that we all come from the same address. Yeah, absolutely. All come from the same address. We go through similar things that stir up the same emotion. Yeah, sometimes it's really tough to strengthen yourself in the Lord. But even when we don't feel like it, that's what we need to do. Yeah, we need to trust in Him. Psalm 19 Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have have never forsaken those who seek you. Never forsaken those who seek you. Never forsaken those who have forgotten about you. Never forsaken those that have run from you. God's always there, but he's never forsaken those that seek him. There's something in that for us, yeah? You can't get an answer if you're not asking a question and actually hanging around for the answer. It's okay to ask a question and run, but sometimes you've got to stay and stop and hear from the Lord, you know? In the midst of our discouragement, I want to encourage you to say that he's actually making us beautiful. Do you understand he's making us beautiful? Too often we feel awkward, too often inadequate, inadequate, too often unlovely. But in God's eyes, he's making us beautiful. 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 That's why it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he's made everything beautiful in its time. So in your season of discouragement, what do you see? Do you see what God's doing? In you, through you, in this season for you. So when life throws lemons at us, when things around us are escalating, we need to see what Pup is up to. We need to see the seasons that we're in the way the Father God sees them. Yeah? You think about um, a, a blacksmith that's making tools with iron and steel. You know, when he forges those tools, it's, it's forged in fire extremely hot fire and not only is it just hot and molten he then actually needs a hammer and in this extremely hot fire he then starts to beat and forge the tool that he's trying to make yeah our strength of character is forged through trials you've got to hear this Our strength of character is forged through trials. If you've been through nothing, I don't want your advice. Yeah? If you've been through nothing, I don't want your advice. I'm glad that you're living on the mountaintop with all of those experiences, 
I'm glad. It's unrealistic because most of our life is actually spent in the valleys and we travel up and down, mountaintop, up and down, yeah? So if you're not been, you haven't been through anything, I, I, I don't want your advice. Thank you for offering it. I'll put it on the shelf with many others that have offered their advice until someone who's actually been through something and I think, wow, yeah, there it is. You know, our strength of character is forged through the trials. You know, God doesn't want us to go... You've got to hear this too, though. God doesn't want us to go through the trials and tribulations. That's not what he purposed for you. That wasn't his plan for you. His plan was always good. He's a good, good father. But remember, he can take all things and work them together for good. So when we're going through stuff, he's using that furnace to create something in you. Yeah. He's not going to let that time pass. He's going to use it to make something beautiful and great. You know, 1 Peter 1, in verse 6 and 7, says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Well, thank you very much. I've learned over the years a hard and yet beautiful truth. That oven, that furnace, that hardship transforms us. Yeah. Yeah? Although we've been suffering right now, it's only temporary. God, who is more wise and more skilled, knows just how to look after us. He really does. We have to trust him, don't we? Our role and our goal is to trust him when we're discouraged, to see what he sees and trust that he's shaping us into something beautiful. Amen? Something that is able to reflect his glory. You know, Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And we're supposed to find it a joy all at the same time. Yeah? But God's doing a work. David knew something in his discouragement. He could see something. He understood something that we need to see, that we need to understand. You know, if you continue to read in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 7 and 8, it says, Then he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. And then David asked the Lord, Should I chase after the band of raiders? Will I catch them? David basically is inquiring of God. He's going to God. Yeah. He's asking Father a question. So that's what it says in verse 7. In verse 7, as he begins to inquire, it says, David asked for the ephod, because the ephod is what the priests would wear when they were going to ask God a question. They had a special, you know, I'll call it an outfit for lack of a better word. They, they would get the ephod and they would inquire. Yeah? See, under the old covenant, you had to go to the high priest and he was the one that would make an inquiry. He would question God for you, yeah? But he wouldn't do that without the ephod. He was the one that had connection with God. And then in verse 8, David makes an inquiry of the Lord. He asks the question. He asks God what he should do next. Should I move forward? Should I pursue my enemies? Should I wait, yeah? So in your discouragement, just think about times that you've been discouraged, discouraged the questions that you've asked about your next move forward. But here's what I want you to see. Do you see what David doesn't ask? Do you see what David doesn't ask? David never asked why. It's just happened. He's wept where there are no tears left. His men want to kill him. And in this place of discouragement and despair, he goes and inquires of God and he never asks the why question. 
never asks it. He doesn't ask, why did it happen? Why, God, I was living right? I was doing what you wanted me. Why, why is the enemy attacking? You know, I thought you were for us. Yeah? He never asks why. <laughs> that leaves us asking why he never asks why. Doesn't it? Because the who always trumps the why. The who always trumps the why. The who you're praying to is greater than any whys in our life. Yeah? Yeah? The who you're praying to may not ever tell us the why of why it's happened. Why did my dad die? Why did my business fail? Why did I lose my child? Why did my relationship break down? Why do I have this? Why, 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 why? The reason I believe God never deals with the why is because I shared recently with a brother because the why can't be changed. You can't change what happened. You can't change it. David can't do anything to stop his wives and his children being stolen. The season that you're in, when you're feeling discouraged, you can't change that. You can't change that. David knew the why question was a dead-end question. You cannot change what's already happened. God's not so concerned with why. It's already done. He's more concerned with the now. He wants to know what your next step is. He wants, he, he's more concerned with where you're going. We don't know about the why, but we know about the who. I know who. I know who's for us. I, I, I know who is not against us. I, I know that Jesus is on my side. I, I know who. And so no matter the reason for the discouragement, you and I need to look to Jesus. If David was seeking God with an answer of what to do next and not asking why, this must be why it's written in Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us. And verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. Some versions actually say looking unto Jesus. The only reason you and I are discouraged in life is because we're looking to people who are not encouraging us or we're looking to a situation that's killing us. It's a horizontal vision, yeah? What we should be doing is what David did, seeking the Lord and fixing our eyes on Him. Because we can't see what he sees in our discouragement until we see him. Yeah? Does that make any sense? It's when we bring our lives before God that we find encouragement. All our troubles and all our reasons for discouragement fade away when we look up and we see him. When we fix our eyes on him. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. When we fix our eyes on him, our discouragement becomes a way for the treasure inside of this clay vessel yeah, to shine through. I don't know a clay vessel that's not chipped. Come into my house, my wife will show you that plates are meant to be chipped. Like they are meant to, is that true? Mel's looking for some super duper fiberglass plastic stuff that doesn't break because she chips everything. Yeah, we are clay vessels, yeah? 
No, it's not the boys. Now, now what, what you've got to understand, I believe Mount Clear is a, is a refuge. I believe Mount Clear is a church that is a refuge where the broken come. Now, it's not because they are broken. We are all broken. Each and every one of us have got brokenness inside of us or around us that God is working on. But it's the treasure that's inside these, these clay vessels that when we're going through discouragement, when we fix our eyes on him and when we see what he sees, this treasure now has an opportunity to shine through the cracks. Yeah. Because that treasure can't come out of the clay vessel if you're perfect, if you've never been through anything. Yeah. Again, I say, if you've been through nothing, I don't want your advice. But if you've got some cracks and the treasure inside you is starting to shine through, please come and share with me you know, how God, what God did and how. You can't see what he sees until you look to him. Have you set your sights on the heavenly realities? On the heavenly realities. Do you see what he sees? Why don't we stand? Ollie, can I have the keys? Is that, would that be okay? Please. See, I think God wants to give us something this morning. I think God has a spiritual handout for us. Yeah. That's how good he is, yeah? yeah? See, God doesn't give me something or give you something for you to keep and go, nah, 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 nah. It's not like an ice cream with kids. When God gives you something, he gives it to you freely and he'll give it to everybody else just as free. Yeah? yeah? So just for a moment, can I ask... Can you close your eyes? Just for a moment. Because I want you to imagine that you're standing in the presence of your king. And, I, and however you do it, whether you, whether you tuck them in by your side or, or whether you lift them up chest height or, or whether you put them up even high, I want you to, to lift your hands to Jesus, but palms up. I want you to physically get ready for a spiritual download, for something that God wants to give you. Because we don't have to live in these seasons of discouragement. David knew that where he found himself didn't have to be where he stayed. The Holy Spirit, according to the Scriptures, gives us inner strength. When we don't, want, when we don't know what to do, God comes. He shows us when we inquire of Him. When we fix our eyes on Him, when we look to Him, God comes by His Spirit. And some of us this morning are fighting discouragement and depression right now. Some of us are surrounded by negative people and negative circumstances, and that's just life, yeah? But don't pray that God will change the circumstance you're in. David didn't pray for that. He never prayed why. He prayed... He prayed, should I pursue God? What's my next step? Not how do I change the past? Not how I change the present? What is my next step? He's the lamp unto your feet, not to the well that you're digging, not the hole that you're in. He's a lamp to your feet. He prayed if he should pursue. He prayed about moving forward to overtake the enemy. This morning, we need to find strength in our Lord. We need to find peace in Him. We need to see what He sees in Jesus' name. Do you want to see and live in the heavenly realities? Then this morning, we need to turn our eyes, our affection, our will, our mind to Him. 
We need to look to Jesus in all and every situation. This is not about how great we are. It's about how great He is. It's not about what we've went through. It's where He's taking us. It's what He's doing now. It's realising that in Jesus, He's given us all the strength and all the power we need in the inner man. Father, this day, God, we, your broken vessels, some more broken than others, Lord, we pray for the treasure that you've placed within us. And Lord God, I pray that this would be a day that this treasure within us would start seeping out through our brokenness and cracks. Lord, that you would do a work in us that would make us whole, that you would show us the next step for tomorrow. But Lord God, in that, that you would be glorified. Father, that in our moments of discouragement, we would understand that you are the king of encouragement. That in our moments of despair, that you are our one true hope. That, Father, in the seasons and situations that we find ourselves in, Lord God, Father, we pray that we would learn, have the tenacity, the courage, the will to fix our eyes on you. Lord, that though moments of discouragement may come, we know that you're transforming us into the image of your Son. Though we we may have moments in life and seasons that are so difficult that we feel though we can't bear that you are making something beautiful in your time. Lord, that we would rest and rest and rest and rest in your presence. That Father, rather than being wearied, God, by the enemy, that we would realise that even in these seasons, God, we can weary him. That in these seasons, we have the victory. In these seasons, the enemy is under our feet. In these seasons, the enemy is defeated. That we are the head and not the tail. That we are citizens of heaven where he has been cast out. Lord, that we would learn to love your presence, to seek your face, to take all of our despair and all of our discouragement and just look to you. Father, I know in that place, in that space, that you would give us an answer. If you're close enough to someone, just place your hand on them. Let's be the bride of Christ. Let's be the body of believers that ministers to one another. Amen. And just however you pray, just pray for the person beside you. If you've got someone on either side, pray for one and then the other. Just pray that God would start doing doing a work. That if there's any discouragement left on the inside of them, that God would do such a work that this treasure that's hidden in jars of clay would start to come forth, that God would be glorified, that His name would be made great, that in our weaknesses, His strength is perfected, that His strength and power comes. Father, thank you for every person in this house. Father, I thank you for every trial and every tribulation. God, I know it's, a di- it's difficult. We're supposed to call it a, call it a joy and see it as a pos- possibility uh, to be joyous. Lord God, I just know that in this space, I'm becoming more like you. Teach us to be more like Jesus. Show us how to walk like Him. Show us how to, when the cross, when the cross fell on, this, on your son, He got back up. Show us how to get back up. And when it fell on him again, he got back up. Show us how to get back up. Show show us, Lord God, how the treasure within us can bring glory to your name through this broken vessel. 
May we be a people that have learned victory in you. May we be a people that don't blame ourselves. May we be a people that know that we're walking in the will of God, even though sometimes life throws us lemons, that it's not our fault, that the enemy is out to disturb us and rob us and steal our faith. But Lord God, we have you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And you are all we need. And everybody said, trust in the Lord, family. Trust in the Lord. Fix your eyes on Him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.